Chapter 12 of St. Joseph of Cobertino. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tatiana Cicilla. St. Joseph of Cobertino by Rev. Angelo Pastrovici. Translated by Rev. Francis S. Lang. The Memory of an Admirable Saint. Owing to the many and striking miracles by which God glorified his servant Joseph after death, the informative inquiries were begun two years after his demise by authority of the bishops of Nardo, Assisi, and Osimo. Pope Innocent XI appointed a commission for the introduction of the cause and authorized the bishops of the aforesaid diocese to conduct new inquiries by apostolic authority. Under Clement XI, the usual discussion was begun regarding the heroic degree of the theological and cardinal virtues of the saint. This process was brought to a favorable close under Clement XII, who, on the Feast of the Assumption of Our Lady, 1735, made public the solemn decree asserting the heroic virtue of Joseph. The discussion of the miracles was then taken up. The first antipreparatory congregation was held on March 2, 1751, the second preparatory on November 16th of the same year, the third general congregation on the anniversary of the saint's death, September 19th, 1752. On the Feast of St. Francis, October 4th, 1752, Pope Benedict XIV published the solemn degree of approbation of two miracles, by which it had pleased God to glorify the dwelling in the tomb of the saint. These miracles were the following. A swelling had formed on the right knee of Victor Mate of Osimo, and had grown in the course of six years to such an extent that it was finally as large as a loaf of bread and very hard. It was impossible for him to kneel or walk freely, and he was tortured with incessant pain, which, about a month before his cure, became almost unbearable. The surgeon who was called, realizing that the malady was chronic and that by an incision the sick man would be exposed to great danger, refused to undertake an operation. About the time Mate despired of all human aid, the death of Joseph took place. As a last resort, the sick man took refuge to supernatural means, trusting to be healed by God because of the merits of the saint, the fame of whose holiness had already spread. On the morning of September 19th, he dragged himself to the church of St. Francis. The body of the saint lay in state in the sacristy and not being able to come near because of the great crowd victor obtained permission to go to the room in the monastery in which father joseph had lived he devoutly entered and at length came to the private chapel where the saint had said holy mass he then made an act of lively faith and pressed his knee against the step of the altar which was worn down by the knees of the saint during his long protracted prayers on touching the step all pain and swelling disappeared at once so that no trace of the infirmity remained the knee was perfectly healed and could be moved like the other which had never been affected the other miracle was wrought on Stephen Maté, the twelve-year-old son of the above-mentioned Victor Maté, in November of the same year, 1663. While throwing stones at play with other boys, he was struck in the right eye. The cornea and uvious coat were cut and humor mixed with blood ran out. The whole eye appeared to be crushed and pressed into its socket. The doctor and surgeon, seeing that the sight of the eye could not be restored, endeavored during several days to heal the wound and form a scar. The boy was exhorted by his mother to trust in the aid of Father Joseph, by whose miraculous power his father had been healed two months before. He had recourse to the saint, first by prayer at home, and then, accompanied by his mother at the saint's grave. Here mother and son knelt and devoutly repeated their prayer. The boy then pressed his blind eye to the stone that covered the saint's grave and instantly recovered his sight. Pope Benedict XIV published the decree of approbation of these two miracles on the Feast of St. Francis, after having said Mass at the altar of this saint in the Basilica of the Twelve Holy Apostles. At the solicitation of the General of the Order, Father Charles Antony Calvi, and because of the favorable report and opinion of the illustrious Louis Valenti, 
who was promoter Fidei, it pleased his holiness to grant a dispensation from the general congregation. This is otherwise held after approbation of the virtues and miracles to determine whether it be safe to proceed with the solemnities of beatification. A papal rescript was therefore published, December 12, 1752, stating that after the approbation of the miracles and virtues, and in consideration of the special circumstances of the case, beatification might be proceeded to without a new congregation. On the Feast of St. Matthias, February 24, 1753, the servant of God, Joseph of Copertino, was solemnly beatified by His Holiness, Benedict XIV, in the Vatican Basilica, amid the rejoicings of a great concourse of the people. The miracles wrought through the intercession of Blessed Joseph of Copertino continued, so that bishops and princes, together with the conventuals, entreated Rome to take up the cause of his canonization. July 17, 1754, the Holy Father approved of the resumption of the cause, and by apostolic authority three miracles were investigated. Pope Clement XIII approved the finding of the Congregation of Rites as to the validity of the process, March 7, 1761. Two congregations, September 18, 1764, and December 10, 1765, found the processes to be valid and the three miracles authentic. In the general congregation of September 22, 1766, His Holiness ordered that public prayers be offered to implore the divine guidance, and on October 12 following, he published the decree establishing the authenticity of the new miracles. In the following general congregation, it was unanimously decided that canonization could safely be proceeded with. A decree to this effect was published soon after, and on July 16, 1767, Pope Clement XIII promulgated in the Vatican Basilica the decree placing Blessed Joseph in the list of saints. A brief narration of the three miracles investigated will form a fitting close to an account of a life so full of the miraculous. Magdalene Panzeroni was afflicted with an abdominal tumor. The growth was large and hard as stone and gradually robbed her of all her strength. Fever, headache, and other symptoms set in so that she was confined to her bed, and towards the end of October 1753 her dissolution seemed near at hand. She could not speak, her body grew cold, and the doctors regarded the case as hopeless. She received extreme unction on the 31st of October, and her demise was looked upon as so certain that the servants had begun to sew her shroud. In this extremity, her niece exhorted the dying woman to invoke Blessed Joseph and place her trust in him. She then brought a relic of the saint from an adjoining room and pressed it into the hand of Magdalene. At the same time, another woman laid a picture of the saint above the tumor. Instantly, Magdalene opened her eyes, and, declaring herself fully restored, arose. The doctors, who returned within an hour, could find no trace of the tumor. Magdalene partook of the evening meal with the family, went to church the next morning, and was able to attend to all her domestic duties. Benedict of Pierre Angelini was afflicted at the age of 32, 1741, with palpitation of the heart and difficulty in breathing. This she bore in silence for eight years, but in 1749, frequent paroxysms of a severe nature forced her to consult physicians. They discovered a growth in the cardiac vessels which interfered with the circulation of the blood. During the six years following, she remained under medical care. The only remedy the doctors could apply was bloodletting. This remedy was resorted to repeatedly each week, and at times was applied more than once the same day. On January 1756, she received the last sacraments. On the 18th, when death seemed at hand, her sister prompted her to have recourse to Blessed Joseph of Copertino and laid a relic of the saint on her breast. The bystanders then prayed an Our Father and a Hail Mary in honor of the saint. A paroxysm, more severe than any preceding one, shook the woman, and the doctor, feeling so prompted to do so, applied his lancet to her right arm. With the blood there came forth two growths and fell into the vessel of water, which was placed to receive the blood. 
One growth was about an inch in length, the other the size and shape of a pigeon's egg. At the same moment, Benedicta was made well, just as if she had never been afflicted. Since October 1753, Bernard and a muleteer, had suffered from herpes. Scratching aggravated the sores, and the man suffered much pain. He was too poor to employ medical aid, and was forced by his occupation to walk much by day and by night, it being impossible for him to ride because of his affliction. After eight months, the ulcers had grown so large that he could walk only with difficulty and found it impossible to provide with his family. A fever set in, which forced him to take to bed, where for two days he could find neither sleep nor rest and was tormented by convulsions and severe pain. During the night following June 17, 1754, the pain grew well-nigh unbearable. Early next morning, the man and his wife implored the aid of Blessed Joseph of Cobertino, and the wife went to church, further to entreat the saint. Meanwhile, the sick man dozed and beheld Blessed Joseph in an apparition. The saint said, "'Come, let us recite the litany of Our Lady.' Blessed Joseph then began, and the sick man replied to each invocation, "'Pray for us.' After reciting the words, "'Health of the sick,' to which Bernardin responded, "'Pray for us,' the vision vanished, and at the same time all traces of the malady disappeared. The man marveled much, as did also his wife, who had meanwhile returned from church. Rising at once from his bed and walking with ease to church, Bernardin rendered thanks to God and his benefactor, Blessed Joseph. The rest of the day he spent telling many throughout the city of his recovery. Next morning, being fully restored, he returned to his work. The Feast of St. Joseph was fixed by Pope Benedict XIV in the brief of beatification for September 18th. The office and mass were granted to the conventuals, capuchins, observants, reformati, recollects, discalced, and third-order regular, to the dioceses of Nardo, Assisi, Fossombroni, and Bosimo, to Copertino and Pietra Rubia, to the Archconfraternity of St. Antony in Rome and the Confraternity of St. Stephen in Assisi. On August 8, 1769, Pope Clement XIV inserted the Feast of St. Joseph into the Roman Missal and Breviary, thereby extending it to the whole church. In 1781, Count John Baptist Sinibaldi erected a large altar of choice marble in the church of St. Francis at Osimo, and that the remains might be placed beneath it. Cardinal Guido Calcagnini, then Bishop of Osimo, after a solemn triduum, transferred the body to the new high altar on September 19th of the same year. There it has remained ever since. The conventuals remodeled the church, which was originally dedicated to St. Francis, and dedicated it to St. Joseph of Copertino. Pope Pius VI raised the church to the dignity of a lesser basilica. The sanctuary of St. Joseph of Copertino at Osimo consists of the chapel in which he said mass, and three rooms, one of which served for receiving persons of rank, while the second was used by the saint as an oratory, and the third as a living room and bedroom. Many relics of St. Joseph are preserved in these rooms. Such are clothing worn by him, the chalice and paten, missal and vestments used by him in saying mass, his breviary, devotional books, such as the imitation of Christ, letters written by him, the picture of Our Lady of Gratella presented to him at Assisi. His oratory is now a chapel. At a meeting of the Municipal Council of Osimo, July 26, 1664, the wish was expressed that Father Joseph be known by the place of his death as our St. Antony of Padua and St. Nicholas of Tolentino. The council furthermore declared the Holy Friar a citizen of Osimo and asked that he implore for the city all blessings. The solemnities in Osimo, subsequent to his canonization, gave a new impetus to the cult of the ecstatic saint and aroused a holy rivalry of devotion on the part of the inhabitants and all manner of benefits on the part of the saint, which time has served not to diminish. One may well say that in public and private needs, St. Joseph is the common refuge, nor is the devotion restricted to the people of the city. 
many are the pilgrims who come to osimo to venerate the saint and to gaze with mingled reverence and admiration upon that sacred body to which divine love once gave the power of flight end of chapter 12 end of saint joseph of copertino by reverend angelo pastrovici translated by reverend francis s lang